When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Garnet out of the shotgun slant right. Into the hands of Pete. Popped up in the air. It's another interception on the carom. Running left, Trey Waynes. And he's out of bounds inside the Jets 25. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, usually here on a Tuesday, but you are, as they say in the biz, on assignment tomorrow. Working on a few things. I'm actually not going to be here because my ankle is, I'm on the 15 day DL. Is what, what is, it, is it called? IL in Major League Baseball? I, or just, it's, it's IL, IL now. now. Yes. I'm still not going to go with that. I'm going to go on the DL. I knew that I shouldn't when I saw the ankle brace or whatever you're calling yeah. it. It's it's a brace. Not just make sure it's not like it's not like a monitor. <laughs> like that's I, not what we're saying here. It's a brace because I knew I shouldn't have asked though. I, I should have just looked at it and seen it and not asked. Well, what we happened. don't talk about injuries, right? So um, I actually can't disclose what happened <laughs> outside of um, the very minimum that I twisted my ankle this weekend mm. it hasn't been right since may when i twisted it the first time i've been able to work out on it run so would you say you're doubtful or would you say that you would be listed as probable no definitely not probable no i can't anymore, i can't work right? out for the next few days because i can't put that type of pressure on it but i can walk on it with a brace i went to get checked out i got the x-ray nothing's broken but this thing has to be off by the time camp comes around can you imagine how difficult it's going to be like running after Mackenzie Alexander and trying to get him to talk <laughs> to me? Getting rejected anyway. Getting rejected every time. No, he will do his one, his one. media session. Some guys will have, camp. Riley Reef will have his one. Uh-huh. Trey Waynes might have one. Um, well, that's a good place to start for us, unless you have much more to say about your ankle injury. Well, I could wear this as like a pity thing next week. Be like, please don't run away from me. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm injured. I'm gimped. <laughs> you have to, you have to do an interview with me. I'm wounded. Um, Speaking of Trey Waynes, The Ringer and our friend Robert Mays wrote an article about trades that could still happen. Summer trades. And I was surprised, Jonathan dug this up, I was surprised that Trey Waynes was on this list of players who could still potentially get moved. And the justification here is, of course, he's on his fifth fifth year option Hasn't yet signed a long-term contract extension. He's set to make $9.1 million uh, as a pretty big cap hit. And the Vikings have depth at the cornerback position. 
And uh, he suggests that if there were a possible landing spot for Trey Waynes, that would be in Kansas City. And they are short on defensive backs, even though they signed Tyron Matthew. But still, they don't have they a great They need corners, yeah. yeah. Um, any possible chance that the Minnesota Vikings make any trade before training camp begins? Will they surprise us? Maybe not before training camp, but I think that it's never out of the realm of possibility to think of something happening first two weeks of camp. Injuries happen, guys go down, teams are in need of bodies. Um, and the Vikings right now, they've got $5.3 million in cap space. So that's enough for right now. I mean, they could get through the season just fine on that, but if you're talking about you know, potential moves for next year and being able to roll more cap space into the 2020 season when you are kind of already in a really tight spot there. It's not the worst option. I mean, Trey has, as you said, it's a $9.069 million cap hit uh, in 2019. Moving that off the books, I mean, there's reasons that tri- both, you know, Trey, um, and I mean, even Xavier Rhodes, I remember early on in free agency, but specifically with Trey Waynes, there's been reason to believe, like kind of believe some of the hype of why his name has been thrown around as a possible trade candidate. Didn't happen in free agency, didn't happen during the draft. Could it happen during camp? I think it would take some injuries elsewhere uh, on other teams for, for the Vikings to be contenders, but, you know, to contend to move somebody. But I go back to thinking around the draft. They, were, they did get several calls about Trey Waynes. Um, I know Houston was a team that, you know, is dealing with some cornerback depth issues and that that was a possibility for a hot second. Other teams, he's a darn good cornerback. He's gotten so much better since his third year in the league when he far, finally started to take that jump in 2017. And I think he's going to have a huge market for himself next year if they can't work out a deal with the Vikings long term. So let's talk about Trey Waynes for a second here. Um because I, I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't think he's going to get traded to anybody asking Mike Zimmer to trade away a cornerback. Well, sure. But yeah. if the price is right, and if you could get good draft capital for it, you can clear some cap space. I, I, I just I don't, can't see it. It would take an, like an injury, like a, like a Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford type situation uh, on another team in order for it to happen. That's the only way I could see it happening. Because it doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, it doesn't make any sense when Zimmer likes his cornerback depth, can never get enough cornerbacks. You don't know about when Mike Hughes is going to return. Mackenzie Alexander, you know, they're trying to, they'd like to believe that fourth year in, he's going to be able to grasp the nickel position for more than half of the season. You have no depth at this position out. Like, I mean, I say that to say Mike Zimmer likes the depth. He does have bodies there, but proven, capable starters. I don't think you'd want to get rid of Trey Waynes, you know, unless you absolutely had to. So if Trey Waynes was moved for draft capital, you would end up with Xavier Rhodes, who was already gimped in minicamp, who was mm-hmm. hobbling around, and there's concerns about his injuries and whether he'll get back to being as good as he was in 2017. You have Mike Hughes who's coming off the ACL. We're not even sure that he's going to be ready to play by week one. You have Holton Hill who is suspended. Mm -hmm. And you have Mackenzie Alexander who is a slot guy. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to me to move away the one starter that you think you know what you have with Trey Waynes. And when you look at his pro football focus grades, he's consistently about the same guy. Now, the long term for Trey Waynes to me is much more interesting than potentially trading him. On a win-now team who's reliant on their defense to survive, it's just really hard to see them saying, okay, well, we'll just move 
one of our starting cornerbacks when you know that you're going to have to be one of the best defenses in the league in order to win. That would really shock me. Well, yeah, and that's where I think Robert was probably coming from, looking at this beyond a 2019 situation. But for a team, as you mentioned, they're all in. They've you know by bringing back Kyle Rudolph and the other moves that they made in free agency to retain their own. Um, that to me screams, okay, it's this year or bust. And you wouldn't get rid of Trey Waynes if you're thinking about this year or bust. But if there was a trade down the line, you're also thinking, hey, we have no shot at keeping him in 2020 and beyond because, A, they're strapped for cash next year. They're really in a tight situation where they have to keep kicking this thing, kicking the can down the, down the road a little bit. That might free up the space that they need to give themselves some pressure, to relieve some pressure, but that wouldn't be until next year. Yep. That's a long-term situation, but and, on a and team they just that's, let them go. They could, but I'm just saying, don't rule out the possibility that if if a team comes up with like you know some serious injuries in camp, because every there are every team deals with something. Um, some just happen to be more fortunate than others. I mean, we all know what happened with the Vikings in 2017 and how quickly they were able to execute that trade with Philadelphia. If the same type of offer came around, that might be hard to say no to. Mm. I would be really stunned. I'm skeptical of it, but really that, I think that I think you have to consider that good draft capital, cap space, alleviating some of your problems down the road might not be the worst option if you are indeed presented with it. But they wouldn't, just to clear this up, they're not looking to trade him right now just to move him off the books. They don't have to right now. They're not mm-hmm. in any sort of dire need going into camp. Like It's not like, you know, had they... Had something not worked out the way it did with Rudolph's situation and are going into camp with less than $2 million and they still don't have money to sign into practice squad, sure, we could be talking about that or maybe even moving on from another veteran. Um, but they're not in a situation right now where it's that dire of a need. The question would be, do you think that if Mike Hughes was really healthy and ready to go, he's going to be able to provide just as good or better play than Trey Waynes? And that is entirely under the yet-to-be-seen question mark of Mike Hughes. We really don't know what we have here when he was playing on such a limited basis last year. But I was looking at Trey Wayne's pro football focus grades, and in terms of his coverage grade, he was 46th in the NFL last year in cornerbacks for just coverage. So you throw out the uh, run-stuffing element, of which mm-hmm. he is very, very good against that's, the that's, run. No that's his bread it. and butter. But is that really super valuable would be the question. So he's 46th out of 77. So kind of bottom middle third of the pack. middle pack in coverage. And he's always had that type of grade from Pro Football Focus in his coverage. And we know this. I mean, that he doesn't get his head around. He can run with anyone. But if you're a really good quarterback, you'll throw it at him anyway, as we've seen Aaron Rodgers do a number of times with Trey Wayans. If uh, the running thing isn't run stuffing and tackling isn't a huge part of your analysis and you're valuing Trey Wayne's, I do think after this year, you're saying, okay, thanks for your service. Like you were a decent first round draft pick. You helped us get to the number one defense in the NFL in 2017. You helped us be a very good defense in 2018. And then in 2019, you know, we'll see what happens. But let's say he's the same player as he was the last couple of years. Thanks for your service, but there's no way you sign Trey Waynes to a massive contract extension. Well, especially what his market's going to be. And you saw what some corners got this offseason. Like, if Trey can have another year like 2018, I mean, he's, I think the consistent thing for him and thing that's going to help his case is that he's shown, yeah, it takes time to develop as a cornerback in the NFL. Xavier, it happened to Xavier Rhodes, it happened to Captain Munderland. I mean, it happened to a lot of guys who have been through the trajectory either of a Mike Zimmer defense or have just, you know, played for the Vikings and have had this happen. Um, but... Look at what Xavier Howard got this past year. 
could that be a figure? I mean, that's he's I guess on average he's a top paid cornerback, fifteen point five, um, and the deal that he was able to get, I think he's a better cornerback than Trey Wayne's body of work wise. And I'm sure if you looked up the coverage grades, he's probably higher. But when cornerbacks are getting paid that much, and Trey's a first round pick, and he'll be coming off of whatever year it is this year, assuming he's able to stay healthy, which he wasn't last year. The concussions were an issue, and he missed some time. Yep. Um, I can't see how he wouldn't be contending in that realm. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is making $14 million this year. Yep. And Trey Waynes, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, that's Xavier. I'm still thinking that figure is Xavier Rhodes of 2017, you know, right around the time he got his extension. But what Trey Waynes can do this year to prove that he deserves that, I think he's going to price himself out of what the Vikings are going to be able to pay him. Well, PFF had Xavier Howard at the 18th best just on coverage. Mm-hmm. I just don't value run defense super, super high. Especially when you're in nickel all, all the time. Yeah. I do, too. I mean, and, I think and, that that's... Uh, it's, yeah, and it's 2019. Yeah. It's not that I would ever want someone to be terrible at run defense as a cornerback, and I think it's been somewhat valuable for them. But if we're just looking at what matters toward winning, if you're an average tackling and run defending corner, I think you're okay. You're not paying a corner to be good against the run. You're not paying any position to be good against the run on defense. It's all about can you rush the passer, can you cover? Well, I would like my linebackers to be able to stop the run. That's just me. Yeah, I don't want them to get trucked. The same with any position, but it's much more valuable to oh, me. Oh, sure. If, I mean, if your nickels in se- if your nickels seventy percent of the time, of course, absolutely. But it's still something. I mean, with Trey Wayne's, that's always the first thing we go to. I don't think that that should be neglected at all. No, yeah, it's it's part of his value, but it's not the most valuable thing mm-hmm. that a corner can do. So, looking at the last two years here, in terms of how quarterbacks did when they threw at Trey Wayne's. In 2017, they had a 92 quarterback rating, and last year a 95.4 quarterback rating when throwing against Trey Waynes. So quarterbacks have done pretty well when they've decided to target Trey Waynes for the most part. And even though I think that he's become a solid, decent player, it's still average at best, and he has had some injuries. I just don't see any way as they start to look around where they can cut the fat off of a little bit to be able to afford some players um, in the future. And, and the cap hits that are going up for people like Adam Thielen and Anthony Barr's cap hits going way up. And I think Rudolph's is going to go way up, too. I mean, as they, as they have to work around those cap hits that are going to be much bigger next year than they are this year, we could be looking at a lot of players who just aren't here mm-hmm. next year that were a big part of this defense over the last few years. And it might be two new starting corners. If Xavier Rhodes does not perform all that well, they can move on from him. And with Trey Wayans, unless there's a big jump that we see this year, I just don't think it's quite on the level that you would need to pay someone that huge money. Well, as I've like projected out the next few years and looking like 2020, 2021, because if you're really looking beyond that, I mean, cap hits will change because a lot of these contracts are backloaded. So if you're keeping it in the forefront, though, Rhodes' cap hit next year Goes up to, hold on, I just had it. Um, it's $12.9 million. So regardless, that's a lot for someone who's going to be 30 years old at that time, who's coming off injuries, who knows just what this season's going to pan out. I mean, how it's going to pan out for him if he can stay healthy. Um, the, I think the good thing here is in your secondary alone, outside of Rhodes and Harrison Smith, you're really not paying guys all that much. You don't have a ton of money locked into players. I mean, Anthony Harris is on his RFA deal. It's $3 million this year. I would assume if he does well again next year, they could, you know, 
tender him again, or they could let him walk and they could go draft a safety or maybe they could get somebody in free agency. I mean, there's there's ways around that. Um, but they are going to have to think long and hard. That's why, as I talk about 2020, I don't even consider Trey Wayne's in the plans for that. That's just financially speaking and from a player value standpoint, I think that you'd be just fine in moving on from him uh, for your future. You're going to have a whole, you're going to have a Holton Hill, whether he's, you know, can pick back up off his rookie season. Once he starts, what would be five games into the year after mm-hmm. suspension is over. They had a lot of high hopes for him coming off that rookie season. Mike Hughes, who knows what type of player he's going to be. It might take him this entire year to kind of get back into it because being a cornerback, you need your ACL and it's not an injury. That's always easy to come back from mm-hmm. as a cornerback. So, but if I'm building my franchise and I'm considering, okay, maybe those two are the next in line. Maybe Mackenzie Alexander, somebody you want to work out um, a new deal with his second contract, because he's also going to be a free agent after this season. So if he's able to grasp the nickel corner position more than just, you know, you're kind of crossing your fingers and hoping and praying that every game's going to, you don't have to take this from a game to game basis with him. Maybe that is something that you have those three and you could start to build around that and you could move on from both of them. But long story short, I just put Trey Wayne's completely out of that category because I think he will price himself out of what they can pay him. When you go position by position on defense, we almost have to talk about who's going to be here after this year as opposed to who's not or who could potentially, who could not. potentially not be here. Yeah. D- Daniil Hunter is here after next year mm-hmm. with certainty. I'm not sure about Linval Joseph. It really depends on how he plays. He's the most, if you were writing an article for ESPN.com, say, you wouldn't know anything about that. But let's just say you were. Um, and you were writing most overpaid players in the NFL, cap hit versus what their positional value versus what they do. Linval Joseph is probably on that list. Even though he's very good at football, a nose tackle at almost $11 million on the cap is just a lot for somebody who doesn't really get after the quarterback. Well, if you're asking, you're asking him to play the nose, the type of nose tackle you're asking him to play and what these gap schemes are for the Vikings versus like what he would be in any other 4 3 defense, I think you have to factor that into into what Linville Joseph's value is, because they play him differently, I think, at that position. They ask him to do different things versus what a nose tackle would do in, I don't know, another 4-3 defense elsewhere. He's expensive, but I think that there's value, there, there's reason to believe that they would either restructure him, they don't want to see him go, because that's been, he has been such a key part of that defensive line that even at $12.95 million next year, I think you'd be okay. I really do, because who's to say Everson Griffin? I mean, yes, his contract voids, and he's able to hit free agency and make another big deal after this year if he gets you know sack numbers, playing time, etc. But if I'm looking at next year, and I am right now, and they're $16 million under the cap right now, that's great. Um, he's got a $13.9 million hit next year. I'm not factoring that in at all right now. So right now, just looking at the whole contract for Linval Joseph, in terms of average per year for defensive tackles that play in 4-3 schemes, he has the sixth highest cap hit in the NFL. There's just no way he's worth that. Not, to, not. I mean, I, I think he's great. I think he's as good as any player who's played that position over the last decade in terms of being a 4-3 nose tackle type player. But when you look at the other guys who are paid in the ballpark of him, it's a little bit higher for Fletcher Cox mm-hmm. and Geno Atkins. But they play. But those but, guys play different. They're being asked to play the position differently. Fletcher right, Cox right, is a the, true on pass. But rusher. I'm thinking of their value to their team and, sure. and what they bring. If you're Fletcher Cox and you can dominate both the run and the pass, and you can get a dozen sacks in a year, 
and then also do the things that Linval Joseph does, you're just worth a lot more. Gerald McCoy can do all the things that Joseph can do, only he gets after the quarterback a lot more. I, I think that that position, well, I'm sure that Mike Zimmer would take me through the film and show me all these different plays where Linval Joseph was great. I don't doubt that at all. But if we're talking about the cash and the cap space, that's what you can find other guys to rotate in to that position to be the nose tackle that can give you somewhere in that same ballpark as what Linval Joseph gives you and rotate situationally like third downs and long. So like Don Terry Poe. Yeah. People who, people who rotate into that spot. I mean, you do. Yeah. Because he's, he doesn't play all the time. And I think that that's important to factor in as you're talking about someone with a $12.95 million cap hit. Um, Cash versus production. I mean, it's not to say he's not a critical to the success of this defensive line, but you are rotating. You guys right. rotate on third down. I mean, there there is reason. I mean, I'm not I'm not above saying that he would be due to a restructure or a good candidate for one. Just will he take it? I think if he, he doesn't play well, then that's just it. I think and it's he, just and he, he he struggled last year because he was hurt around week three on. And, and that's, so, he's had he's had that he's had the elbow thing. I mean, as Mike Zimmer told us during OTAs, I believe that he had an off season shirt, uh, surgery. Multiple wasn't it? Multiple wasn't there a word in one, there? But I no, thought there was a word. He had a couple surgeries or something. How how it was phrased to me? I said when I was speaking with someone, I was like shoulder elbow, in the, and I was told above there. So whatever that means, above the elbow, upper body so injury, <laughs> shoulder. I don't think there was a collarbone. Don't issue think there was a him. neck injury um, issue, but it don't think there be. was a neck. Well, but the point just being in 2016, Joseph dealt with injuries and he struggled at times. And then in 2017, he's completely healthy. He's one of the top defensive tackles in the game. And if it's 2017 version, then pay the man. Of course, Mm -hmm. he's getting after the passer and, of course, doing all the things he does dominating the run. But the version that they got last year was not worth the money. And it was was an unhealthy version because he wasn't healthy the whole season, which I'm not making an excuse for. I'm just saying that's what it was. But that's kind of like what happens to guys that get into their 30s is -hmm. they get more injuries and they slow down and they don't produce at the same level. And with Linval, if he does not produce at the same level as he did in 2017 after this year, he could be out. So you're talking about Linval could be gone. Everson Griffin could be gone. Harrison Smith is still going to be here, but Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, they could all be out. That's six, right? And the sort of low-key one would be Eric Hendricks, depending on his contract situation, that they could decide that he isn't worth the money anymore if he doesn't have a great season. So a lot of guys are kind of playing for their lives a little bit here on the Vikings defense, and it could look completely different after this year. Okay, let's take a break. Uh, I want to talk about some rookies because yeah. you and I are not going to have another chance to talk before the rookies hit the field. They hit, no, we will we'll next talk, Monday. We'll talk Monday. Yeah, we'll talk well, Monday. Let's talk about it But anyways. I want to talk about rookies anyway. Okay. So let's talk about the top picks. I heard something cool about Garrett Bradbury okay. that I want to tell you about. And if there's anybody in the bottom, this is not Mr. Mankato yet, but if there's anybody in the bottom of that conversation Who's going to football fans? It's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. 
great center. I mean, I think I think toughness and and um, intelligence is two of the biggest things. I mean, that, that's really just offensive line in general. Um, I don't think there's any more special characteristics. I mean, I think if you're tough and you're smart, you're, you can be a pretty good offensive lineman. So those are the two biggest things. Yeah. That right there was Garrett Bradbury, the first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, Purple Daily here today. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up at 4 o'clock. They will dive deep into baseball and also have Ryan Saunders on the phone on today's show at 4.20. So that will be uh, exciting. Did Ryan commit yet to coaching your pickup team? Um, We have not gotten confirmation. He's been okay. in Vegas. He's been a little busy with Summer League. I, did they win the championship last night? I watched two minutes of it, then realized why am I watching Summer League basketball? You'll have to listen to 420 to find out okay. from Ryan Saunders whether they won or not, because uh, I'm not telling. They're on right to the now. championship game. They're on to the championship. Oh, okay. They played, yeah, who they play watch. yesterday, Boston? I think so. They're on to play Memphis in the championship. Because I know Okogie's not going to play. Tyus Jones revenge game? Um, it's the championship I know we've all dreamed of. What, well, Jarrett Culver's not playing in summer league? See, look, I'm an NBA reporter, too. So wait, I so you're telling me things. that Minnesota could actually win a championship that wasn't the Lynx? Yeah. Or the Twins in 1991? <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if they win the summer league <laughs> championship, I hope that you guys hoist a banner around here We somewhere. should. Yeah, that's right. We can. Um, if they're not going to do it at Target Center, we should just hang it up in the studio there. Where's the parade? Start planning the parade route. Is that what we should be doing? It's going to actually be around the hallways of the score north. <laughs> We're going to go down to KSTP. Anyway, Ryan Saunders on at uh, 420 today with Mackie and Judd with Rami. So look forward to that. Anyway, the reason that uh, I want to talk a little bit about the rookies, aside from just that they'll be center stage at training camp, as rookies always are, is that uh, offensive linemen around the NFL and some retired offensive linemen and some people who train offensive linemen, they had a summit called O-Line Masterminds. And I know one of the guys, Brandon Thorne, who comes on On the the show show all the time. And uh, I was just talking with him about Garrett Bradbury. And Garrett Bradbury was a part of this. So you're talking about some of the best offensive linemen in the league getting together, talking about their craft, trying to improve and, and working together. And Brandon was talking about, to me, just off the air, his impressions. And we'll have him come on the air hopefully next week and and talk a little more about this. Just that Garrett is very, very serious about being a technician as a center. And, And that's exactly what you want to see from somebody is that they really care about the craft because... offensive line is the ultimate, like you can't just show up and be athletic and big and hope to block people. I think that's what a lot of people might think about offensive linemen is if you're if you're big and you can get your hands on a guy, you'll be fine. Well, not really. Yeah, if you don't um, have the athleticism aspect or the... Maybe it's not the athleticism, because I'm thinking when you mention big, tall, athletic, just block somebody, I'm thinking of Bryant McKinney, who was a freak and relied on natural instincts. But eventually that stuff, if you're not a technician, if you're not somebody who hones that, that's going to catch up to you, because... Defensive linemen are really, really good in today's NFL. And I feel like that's even changed since Brian McKinney was around. Yeah. The talent level that any offensive lineman is facing now in 2019 is the highest that it has absolutely ever been. If you go through, how many defensive linemen would you put in the NFL among the elite category, like elite dominant talents? I would say probably like 15 guys, 20 guys. You can think of 10 right off the bat. Maybe I would stretch it to 15, but the first 10 are easy. And how many offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen, just a couple, 
There's a couple guys that stand way above everybody else, like Jason Kelsey. Mm -hmm. And then it's just you hope to get someone who's good enough, and the Vikings usually don't. Um, So with Garrett Bradbury, where is it fair to set expectations is part one of the question. And also, like, how will we evaluate Garrett Bradbury as it goes along? I mean, we know that small sample size pro football focused grades are not a good way to do it. I mean, you, you need a big sample in order to have a good feel for how someone played. So as we go into the first quarter of the season, as we go into training camp, like, how are we going to evaluate Garrett Bradbury? I think it's going to be hard. You can't have a snap reaction to training camp stuff where guys are not going at full speed. And, you know, especially early on, they're going to be learning this zone scheme, which to his benefit, that's all he played in at NC State. So I think he comes here and he's not being, you know, kind of this conglomerate of what they did the last few years uh, where it's half power, half zone, half this, half that. Like, we know what this scheme's going to be. This is similar to what he was born and bred in uh, from a tight end to a defensive line and then back when he found his footing on the offensive line at North Carolina State. I struggle with like telling people kind of where to pause on this because realistically, what's the first thing you should think about with the offensive line and, and how it relates to the overall success of the team? Well, timing, giving the quarterback time in the pocket. Well, yep. Kirk Cousins had a lot of time in certain circumstances last year. It wasn't always that he was under pressure, you know, every single time he dropped back to pass. You know, if Garrett Bradbury is doing everything he can possibly do, and, you know, doing his job and Kirk is still getting sacked and, and giving up sacks and, you know, in a situation where he's under duress. Is that Garrett Bradbury's fault? I don't know if we're going to know through training camp. I mean, outside of talking to Kevin Stefanski, if Gary Kubiak talks, mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer, getting the impressions from the coaches um, of how quickly this thing is going to gel and come together. Because think about 2017. Everyone was singing Pat Elfline's praises as first rookie to start at center since McTingleoff, blah, 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 so great. And then the injuries happened. And then last year was not great. So, I mean, you don't want to go all in on it because I think a lot of people were ready to go all in on Pat Elfline as a center, even like, kind of glossing over some of the struggles and flaws in his game um, as a rookie. But it's going to, I mean, I think already you can kind of tell it's different with Garrett Bradbury, can't you? From talking to guys and just kind of hearing about how, you know, I mean, Kirk Cousins talking about, you know, we want you to be the franchise center for, you know, the rest of my time here, the rest of your career. So I'm sure they'd say that about anybody, but it just kind of, there's a different vibe, I think, with Garrett Bradbury and how he's been able to come in to call an offense to learn this thing. And also, um, he's a better fit in this in a zone scheme he was a better fit at center than Pat Alfon was day 1 if you're comparing them side by side. Yeah, I I wouldn't back off thinking that Pat Alfon was really good in 2017 and that last year was just a lost year for him entirely that he was trying to go out there when he probably shouldn't have probably shouldn't have pushed it to go and play his first game against Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue in Los Angeles, his first start. He probably should have waited a few more weeks. Um, that, to me, got him behind the ball right away, and, and that was the biggest part of his struggles. And then they took a guy in Garrett Bradbury who they knew could just bump Elfline over to guard and, and try to solve this offensive line issue. The interior of the offensive line is going to be better because of that. I would be much more concerned with the tackles still being the same. Is Riley Reef going to have any injuries that slow him down? That'll be problematic. But just talking about um, Garrett Bradbury and how he could potentially fit in, 
I'm going to be evaluating him almost entirely on how he handles pass rush in preseason games and in training camp practices. Because Linval Joseph, as I know we just talked about last segment, is not a pass rusher like an Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox. He can definitely get after the passer. And so on a daily basis out at practice, I want to see how he's handling that. And I want to see how he's handling you know, all the things that go along with the NFL, the stunts, the little two-man games and things like that that happen. I'm sure they'll throw a lot at him. And then when you get to the preseason games, how does he handle the power of some of the guys he's going to be going up against? We'll probably get two or three uh, drives to take a look at that. But it's something I want to see close because if there's one concern about Bradbury, it's... He's it's not a huge guy. Yeah. Right. He's not a huge guy. And if, if you have these powerful defensive tackles like he's going to be facing in the NFC North, how is he going to adapt to that? So practicing against Joseph, we got a good feel for Elfline early on. Like that, oh, okay, Elfline can handle this when he's healthy and in good shape. Um, so we know that he could play at this level. What do we see for Bradbury there? Because I don't have much doubt that he's athletic and that he can move and that he can play perfectly in this zone system to run the ball. I just care about that a lot less in terms of the value as opposed to blocking the middle so Kirk Cousins doesn't get rushed uh, from defensive tackles. Sure. Well, I also just that's why I bring up that cautionary point that even if he is a really good pass blocker, whatever happens with Kirk, I think you have to factor that in and and put some of that on him, too, because the timing thing's not going to necessarily be a Garrett Bradbury fix. Um, The offensive line, and you mentioned the interior, there's been pieces moved around. It should, in theory, be better than it was last year. You have to factor in injuries that could potentially pop up in camp. Two of them did right away and completely decimated the interior of the offensive line in 2018. But that aside, I think moving Pat Alfline back to guard where he had some really good seasons at Ohio State, and then you don't really know what you're going to get in Josh Klein. You know it's a mid-to-lower-tier starter. Um, it's going to be beneficial. And I think to, to Garrett Bradbury's benefit, it's going to be nice to have Pat Elfline, who's played center, and maybe could even help him like you know, with some of the calls. That's what Nick Easton uh, and Joe Berger did for Elfline in his rookie season, where sometimes it would be Easton yeah. calling out the play. Yep. Um, sometimes it would be Joe Berger, who's you know, at that point a 10- or 11-year veteran. Um, having that, I think, next to you could really, really help in the transition here. But, you know, I'm really curious. I mean, just as you, as you look at someone like Garrett Bradbury, and I, this is a good PFF stat that I know I've used in stories before, they only surrendered four sacks in 1,513 career pass-blocking snaps over four years at NC State. Um, when you're going against elite-level defensive line competition, I mean, how much of that are you really going to see in the preseason, or is this something that we're not going to have a true evaluation on until early on next year, or early on in the two, in you know, when they play Atlanta, when they play Green Bay? I think I mean, it's that's really when they play. Probably Atlanta. when you get Brady that. Brady Jarrett just resigned today. By I the did way. see that. So that'll be your first test. Yep. I think you would see a little in preseason games. Who are they playing in the preseason? Any idea? Got New Orleans first, <laughs> Seattle, um, Arizona week three, and Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo's yeah. week two. I think Seattle's week three, and or no, Arizona's week Buffalo three, Seattle's week four. No, this Buffalo's week two. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think. I've said this before to you. As soon as it's over, the preseason, it erases from my memory. It's like Men in Black. Well, it's um, just gone. Imagine if you were one of those teams that had the Hall of Fame game. What if you were like Denver and oh, had your players yeah. reporting oh, tomorrow or whatever it is? No, thank that you. That would be a nightmare. It's five it, preseason so games. You can ask me about any game that I've covered with the Vikings, 2016 to last year, the three years, and I'll give you 
everything. If you ask me anything about the preseason games, I remember Mitch Leidner played in one, but I remember nothing about his performance. He could have been Joe Montana that night. I have no idea what Mitch Leidner did as a preseason Viking. Just, it, I rem- but follow our coverage of the preseason <laughs> on Purple Daily. I like the preseason. It's fun for us, I guess. It's fun. I mean, it's fun. It is like no it, pressure. It is cool because you're looking at as we talk about like other rookies in this picture. I mean, how many times last year, you know, when Chad Beebe's name was being thrown around, you know, throughout the preseason, or who else was it? Um, I mean, Holton Hill. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, they. I think it was fairly obvious. Um, you know, they wanted to keep him around once they signed him, and they gave him that seventy-five thousand dollar bonus. Uh, that he was going to make the roster either way, but heck, we found out because of you that he was a punt returner, like kick returner. Kick returner. You're welcome. And um, yes. you know, you basically gave them the idea to uh, utilize him during that Tennessee game. Yeah, you're not kidding. That really yeah. did happen. Yeah. Um, because I dug up high school tape of his, but. So here's how I feel about preseason games is it's really fun to interact with Vikings fans during preseason games. Mm -hmm. It's fun to see their reactions to everything. Like last year, Kirk Cousins on the first drive makes like three great throws. One four for four and ended with a Stephon Diggs touchdown. Should should I not know that? Am I, should I be like embarrassed that I remember the drive in Denver? Yeah. Okay. It's coming back a little. We were watching it together. That's yes. why. Pizza. We were pizza. having pizza, and Rock Thomas had a big game. Rock Thomas had a big game. I think uh, Mike Hughes in his debut. I got yelled at by somebody because I right. wasn't high enough on That's it. That's what like, I mean. That's yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> like, my geez. favorite part is that people go bat bleep over the preseason, and we can have a lot of fun conversations because of it. Yeah. And Kyle Slaughter is back. Kyle Slaughter. Slaughter so. Slaughterhouse, right? Oh, they, they really have shirts with Slaughterhouse on them. Um, when we come back. We're focusing on the rookies here a little bit. I want you to tell me which rookie that is not Irv Smith or Garrett Bradbury is most of interest to you as we get closer to training camp. It is seven days from now that the rookies will hit the field, and we will uh, continue to discuss that. Zolgad is going to be in soon here at some point, and then he will do... uh, Time for the 2 o'clock Score North download here. Vikings training camp around the corner, and it seems that quarterback Kirk Cousins is looking to get more explosive plays from the offense this year, saying it's difficult to keep trudging along and converting third and medium over and over and over again to try and come up with ways to get points. Sometimes you need to get those big plays with the speed and talent of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs on the outside and with some of the creative play calling we'll have from Kevin Stefanski, I think we'll be able to generate a few more of those types of plays. If we do, I think there's that's where the offense will start to turn a corner and take off to a new level. The team categorizes explosive plays as those that go for 20 yards or more, and they had 46 of them last season. What are your thoughts, Vikings fans? Do you want more explosive plays from the team? Will that lead to more wins this season? Let's hear your thoughts by tweeting us at Score North. That's at SKOR North on Twitter. Compete against Score North personalities in Majors Fantasy Golf presented by the Meadows at Mystic Lake for your chance to win prizes from Craigs on Gull Lake, Parway Golf, and Chill Boys. The fourth major of the year begins this Thursday. Sign up right now at scorenorth.com keyword golf. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Rippin' Madison. Left side. Dives. Touchdown! 200 yards for Alexander Madison. And the Broncos lead by 8, 32-24. 
Ah, yes, that moment that we all remembered from preseason last year that I have cherished deeply close to my heart, that preseason game. We had fun eating pizza. Um, Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collins. Do you remember what the pizza was? I do. Papa John's. I think Papa J's. And, uh, See, I've got great memories of the preseason. Yeah. I know that you try to like erase it. I try to relive the preseason yeah, every day. True. That's true. Greatest competition in sports, you know. That's what Red said. Uh, 90 to 53. Yeah, you know exactly. how hard Where, that is? Where's competition more than that, huh? I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the 53rd person on the roster, day one of camp. I'm trying to figure that person out. Who's it going to be? And there, there, but for the grace of God, that guy could have been 54. Very true. That's why the preseason Life is so altered. Great. And why you should follow Score North at scorenorth.com and the Purple Daily Show every day as we lead up to training camp. Zolgad is in studio here now with Courtney Cronin and me. Uh, so, Judd, the question I threw at uh, Courtney to think about for this segment, and I want your answer on it, is not Bradbury, not Smith. <laughs> Who is your most intriguing rookie? And by the way, we do need to start talking about who's going to be on the Mr. Mankato list. When do we come up with that? Is that something that's like right away? Don't usually, we have to get to the first week of camp? So the first Usually... Okay. When the rookies report, that's when we put out our odds. And it's right? Chris Long who stays up all night long yeah. and actually gets profiles and handicaps the entire thing. Yeah, that's a Chris Long production because he is a gambling degenerate of some sort. He is so. It's we'll a Connect with him next week. Okay. What's your answer to this question? Do you remember who the Vikings drafted? I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, and actually, actually, I'm going to give you a name of somebody I'm surprised you did not eliminate from my consideration, Alexander Madison. That's mine too, without a doubt. I think it's fine if you use Alexander Madison. If something go if something goes wrong here with Talvin Cook, mm-hmm. guess what? There's only there's only a few people who could be up next, and you know as well as I do with the way this team usually operates, the first guy they're probably going to turn to is the third round pick. Let me throw this at you: with teams looking at running backs as not being as valuable, if Delvin Cook were to get hurt in training camp, let's just say, would they trade for somebody? Would they do a Teddy Bridgewater's Sam Bradford style trade, or do you think that they would hand it over to Alexander Madison, Mike Boone, Rock Thomas, and Amir Abdullah and CJ Ham? If Dalvin Cook got hurt in the course of training camp, I think there is a very good chance that they would wait for final cuts to be made sure. and pick up a player. They would in no way, shape, or form give up a draft pick for for a guy who might be out there. I don't see that happening. Because you don't need to. Because there's going to be a host of these guys when 700 guys don't have a job on Saturday, September 2nd or whatever it is, on cutdown day, that the value of the running back position is we're now seeing play out in real time with Melvin Gordon and just the discrepancy between do you pay a really good player who is a big bulk of your touchdown production the last four years of of his career or do you just say okay we don't value running backs we're going to continue on and if this guy's not part of your plans long term then you don't pay him like we see that dichotomy play out but then here with the Vikings they're that's not a position that I mean outside of Adrian Peterson in this modern era of the NFL where you sometimes have two back systems and you don't place that high of an emphasis on you know a high you know running back then maybe you do look towards the open market as cuts start getting made. But a trade? I, I think I'd make a trade. Who would you trade for? I don't for? see a trade. I, I don't either. I just don't think that it's valued. I mean, yes, they want to be more balanced this year, but you already have four running backs that you've kept around. Um, you know, you re-sign Amir Abdullah. You have two guys you just don't really know what you have in Rock Thomas and Mike Boone because they didn't play at all last year. And then you you thought highly enough of Alexander Madison that you called him basically Latavius Murray Part Two. So thinking in that sense, you would want to keep him. 
um, you would want to just kind of keep the core that you have and maybe look to getting another body in there because if that's the case, they're not going to have a number one back. They're not going to have like your workhorse, which they're probably not going to have this year anyways because you can't ride Dalvin Cook like that, as they found out. Well, I think Melvin Gordon would be the name that would come to mind quickly is would you trade for Melvin Gordon and then sign him to a contract extension? I mean, this what, team Would you want to pay him, though? But this, but this team clearly doesn't have the same idea of positional value in paying people as the analytics do or as the other teams do when it comes to running backs. I, I think you and I both know that if Delvin has a big year, they're going to pay him. So why wouldn't they trade? This is They're this not going to give up the draft but this pick, this is Matthew. a desperate situation. I mean, they gave up a first-round pick for Sam Bradford, who at the time was kind of a laughing stock. But that's quarterback. That's quarter. Yeah, that's so different. Very, it's I'm a very when, different dynamic. But, but it's a different dynamic when you're desperate as hell. Like that, That's what I'm saying is it doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense to trade for a Melvin Gordon and sign him to a big uh, contract, but it does make logical sense to do that if you know that you're going to get fired if you go 7-9 and nine this year, which I think everybody over there knows. Well, would you? So you're saying that they would do that, and you're assuming Dalvin Cook's out for the year at this point. Yeah, and you're that, moving I'm on just saying from like him the nightmare scenario. Yeah. Well, I just don't think they would get that desperate. To be quite honest with you, I think you know beyond this year, and yes, this front office that might not be here if they go seven and nine, they could say, "Hey, we don't give a crap about the cap situation going forward. Like if we're if we end up being here, we'll figure it out then. But right now, fine, sign him, sign him. We'll get him in here, and I mean, we're going to be we're going to be due a big extension for this guy for money we don't have. Um, but I just don't think they would ever get that desperate. I don't think that they value, yes, they value running the ball and being quote balance is the word that Mike Zimmer has used, but I don't think they value it enough to literally blow up all of their assets essentially with, in terms of money that they have right now, but under 6 million in cap space and, and try to bring somebody else in here. I just don't see, I don't see it. My, my perception of what you just said, Courtney, is this as well. I think one of the people who would try to survive would go to the Wilson and try and block it. So if Rick just went haywire, it's like I don't care, I don't care. I think you've got I think you've got certain survivors there who aren't going to be if you know if Zim and Rick are fired, I think some people are definitely going to survive the purge. Mm-hmm. I think one of them would go and say, This is stupid, don't do it. Okay, so first round pick, let me let instance. me try to justify it to make it not insane. We have no idea if Alexander Madison could play at all. Mike Boone and Rock Thomas were not put on the field at all last year when Delvin Cook was hurt, so we don't know if they can play at all. Amir Abdullah is not a running back you want playing all the time. He's their special teams guy for this year, and maybe he mixes in. So there's nobody that just takes that spot. So if you were to trade for Melvin Gordon, you get that immediately. And the long term, the money issue that you're bringing up, But we went over it on the defensive side, how much money you can create with guys who are either older or not going to stay here like Trey Waynes, who's going to demand way too much on the open market. I mean, you're talking about huge dollar amounts potentially created by some of the defensive players. If they were to move on from Limbaugh Joseph, $13 million in cap space. If they're moving on from Trey Waynes, you could actually afford to do something kind of crazy on the offensive side because they've made all these crazy moves on the defensive side. They're but I had this the other day with Myron Metcalf, but like fourth most money being spent on defense. And a lot of that as we go forward is going to be Anthony Barr, a position that the analytics people say don't pay that much. Mm-hmm. So that so me putting it together, they could afford it. And if they're not a team that's sitting here valuing exactly the positions the same way that we do, 
loving to run the ball, loving Delvin Cook as much as they do. Melvin Gordon is like the successful version of Delvin Cook, isn't he? I mean, he's exactly what you hope that Delvin Cook becomes. So I think if the nightmare scenario somehow did happen with Delvin, that they would have to consider it. All right. Trying to go inside Rick's mind for just a second here. Be very brief because I don't want to be there too long. How many seventh-round picks are you trading for in that mind right now? But going inside Rick's mind, Rick knew that when Bridgewater got hurt, he had screwed up. Sean Hill was not a sufficient backup. Sure, He was was a pseudo-QB's coach. If Dalvin Cook goes down tomorrow, Rick, I don't think, is going to admit that in all his wheeling and dealing in this draft, and God knows it was a lot, that was with his third-round pick, he potentially screwed up. And I think that's the difference. I think he's going to say, I drafted this kid, bleep all of the naysayers, he can play. Where, where with Sean Hill, you said to yourself, you can't do this to this team. I don't think Rick would say the same thing without Dalvin Cook and if this kid had to play. That's my assessment. I will say, I'll, I'll never really understand that move of trading down, trading down, trading down, passing up on good prospects for a third-round running back. I, I, I'm, and then, he, he might but be then great, trading but down just, even more than that. Yeah, that's, the whole draft, that's one I don't quite understand. The whole draft confused me. Yeah. Like, I mean. like first round I got, it might not have been the greatest pick, but I got it. Second round I think I got, after that and the trades, I just became very confused by, by the strategy of passing player, 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 player. Yeah. I agree, but in the topic of what we're talking about now, as it pertains to Dalvin Cook, this pick, as you move it kind of more into the forefront of realizing, okay, we he's healthy going into camp. This is his first year that he's had a healthy off season. He's going to be going into camp not wearing, you know, not worrying about his knee, things like that. Is his hamstring? They're bracing themselves for worst case scenario here. But even beyond that, how much is Dalvin going to play early on? I'm sure he's going to be on somewhat of a load restriction because you don't want to wear him down in the first few weeks of the season. I mean, we saw him come back last year, and then by week three. He's already out again, and then they bring him back too early in week four, and then he's out even more. So, I mean, they know they've been down this road before. And I think that you could end up, if this plays out to this disaster scenario that we have right now, where Rick could potentially turn it back and say, hey, this is why we drafted this kid. This is We wanted a workhorse. We wanted somebody that can be your every down back who can catch the ball, too out of the backfield, is not going to be, you know, you're not going to look to put him in the slot all that often, but can be a pass-catching back and can hand, shoulder a load while we try to figure out what's going on around him and, you know, all the pieces around Dalvin Cook. So we're going to circle back, because I like this later in the show. I still, you've never to, asked um, me who my pick was. I thought you said Alexander Madison was your pick. Well, I had to pick another one, because Judd picked okay, that. Okay, you can pick another one. I want to circle back later on today. Come on, after, you guys, don't at, fight in front of me. After we do a hot route. Yeah, it's not good for Judd. He's very sensitive. Yeah. Two more of, of how would the Vikings handle disaster situation X will be. Uh, that's a very Zolgatti. <laughs> the topic. roof cannot collapse. Yes. That's all no, I know about U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, okay, who's your other pick then? Well, I was going to say Austin Cutting because we... Oh, my God. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details.